Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 53 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, admin for the Facebook group Baseball 365 and host of this show. You can follow the show on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Justin Hughes365. I'll tell you now, I tweet more from the pod Twitter than my own, but my co-host Andrew is at AMCQ82. And Andrew will be joining us here me here in a bit as we're doing part two of the first base ranks for the season. But before we go into that, I do want to remind you guys that A, if you want to hear part one of the ranks, just Tune in or download the previous episode, episode number 52. We covered the first half of first base. And also the one other thing I wanted to make sure I let you all know about was that in our Facebook group, Joy Divig, who ha- runs a business, he does a lot of like makes a, a lot of ep- logos and works on a lot of, of what's graphic designing. He actually is doing announced that we are running on baseball 365 the second annual baseball 365 draft and hold championships powered by fan tracks and it's a 30 dollars entry fee to join a 15 team draft and hold league with a lot of competition with a lot of the other members of the baseball 365 group Basically, the rules are simple. You draft your team, and once you're complete with the 50-round draft, it's a slow draft with a two-hour clock during the day, and it's off during the night for sleep. But once it's done, you're done. All you do for the rest of the season is set your lineup. No trades, no transactions. First place league winners will win $250 plus a $50 fan tracks credit. Tim Wagner with Fantrax is kind enough to work with us on this and offer a little extra bonus for the league champions. Second place league winner will win $150 and third place league winners will win $50. And what's new for 2020, Fantrax is going to offer a bonus bounty of a $50 Fantrax credit to any league winner who has purchased one of Jory's custom team logos. (coughs) Excuse me. But um, if you have, um, if you go to the Baseball 365 Facebook group, the announcement right now is pinned to the top. Jory is the one that made the announcement. You can message him privately, and he also has information there on how to get a hold of him via email. Um, I'm not going to try to read it. Just go to the Facebook group if you're trying to find out, or reach out to me on Twitter, and I can get you that information. But if you were to reach out to him to make a logo, he'll make he makes custom like fantasy team logos and he'll build you one for your team for $25 or you could do two of them for $40. And he's made the baseball 365 logo as well as many other podcasts and platforms that are out there. He has done a lot of wonderful work for a bunch of fantasy baseball people out there. And I'm sure fantasy football people also joy does great work. So if you want a good custom logo made for your team, Maybe you got a, a unique team name. He'll get out there and make you a unique logo to go with it. So I highly recommend working with him. But, yeah, just go to the Facebook page. These leagues are filling. I think we're on league number nine, which is incredible given we just announced this, I think, on Sunday. 
And here, just in a couple-day stretch, we've already filled up eight leagues with 15 players each. And you're only allowed to put one entry in. So this isn't like four guys entering every single league. This is eight different full leagues already, and we're on number nine. By the time you're, by the time the second episode posts, we may be on number ten. So, go check it out. Join join the league. It's a lot of fun. You'll get a meet if you're not active in baseball 365 yet. You'll meet some good people in the group. There's a lot of real good conversations going on, and get yourself in a real fun league. All right, I think I've talked long enough. Let's go join back in with our previously recorded episode where Andrew and I are talking about part two of the first base rankings. All right, enjoy. All right, 11 through 15th. The back half of a basically a first baseman number one, uh, Yasmani Grandal at 97. We're not going to talk about him. We already talked about him on the catcher podcast. But number 12 is Trey Mancini, who's first base outfield eligible at pick number 104. Reese Hoskins with the Phillies is at 114. Yuli Gurriel, 115. And then Danny Santana at 125. Um, my first question of these other four first basemen removing Grandal, how would you rank Mancini, Hoskins, Guriel, and Danny Santana? I don't know. I don't. I don't want any of these guys, man. That I'm just looking at these tiers, and I'm like, yeah, I like the tier with Rizzo, Goldie, and Olson. Tier with you know Abreu, Muncy's fine, Bell fine, whatever. This tier just sickening. I'd rather wait till the next tier. Really, um, the guy actually at sixteen, I think I like more than all these guys. But um, I would probably go Hoskins, Mancini, Santana, Yuli. Surprise, surprise, Yuli last. <laughs> I'd have to go back and forth whether I'd go Santana or Yuli. I'd probably have to dive into that a little more. But I could definitely agree that Hoskins and Mancini would be the top two. And I'll throw a Twitter recommendation out there. Matt Williams, I don't even know his actual who who he is or who he's associated with. He does deep dives on all of these. Uh, he'll like do a deep dive on a player a day on Twitter. And he'll make a tweet about the player, and then he'll just keep replying about the player, talking about him in depth. And he just did a real good one on Trey Mancini this last couple days. So Matt Williams, uh, I think just go if you went to our the Baseball 365 Twitter, I think you'd be able to see I've retweeted something of his. I might try to dig up the Mancini one and retweet it after we get off, but highly recommend him for just real good in depth conversations on breakdowns on players, but. I would definitely have Hoskins at the top of this list, and he's the only one I'd want. I do agree with you there that I, I don't want uh, – I, I wouldn't want the other three. I'd be okay taking Hoskins where he's going. If I miss out on that tier, I wouldn't mind taking him here, even though you're right about number 16 and him kind of should be are the same guy, I think. But um, the only thing, The only thing with Hoskins is 
Like, what type of batting average would you project for him? 230, 240? Yeah. Ugh. I he mean, hits the ball in the air so much and with little speed. Yeah, I don't – I would expect – I would probably project 240. He's one of those guys that I feel like the power has to be elite because nothing <clears> else <throat> is. You know, I mean, nothing else is even really good. It not even, not like removing the elite part. I don't know. That's the one thing with Hoskins. I kind of look at it like, man, if he's going to hit last year, he hit 226. Expected batting average was 221. And year before, expected batting average was 235. I mean, it's just. We now have enough of a sample size to show that that batting average is probably what he is. And 29 home runs isn't enough when you're you're only hitting that. Now, granted, I I think he'll hit more than that this year. I I think he'll hit over 30. But, I mean, he kind of has to, doesn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. You know? You definitely need that. It's not like he's... Putting up 120 runs, 120, 100 plus RBI. He hasn't done that yet in his career, actually. Definitely better in definitely better in OBP leagues. Yes, agreed. Uh, we took we gave a lot of crap to the Gurriel brothers this last year, and both of them shoved it down our throats with really productive seasons. We'll talk about his brother in another episode. But after hitting 31 home runs in the previous two seasons, Yuli went out and hit 31 last year alone. I've got an over-under for you here. Over-under 20 home runs for Yuli in 2020. What, he hit 31? 31 last year. And he hit 31 in the previous two years combined. 20 is just not that much these days. It's no. Screen box under. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Doubling down. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to I'm I would take the over but there I I said yeah, this last week. I no, actually, I'll do it. I'll do it. Let's let's bet this stupid Yuli Gurriel bet. I'll take sure. the over. Sure. I'll take the under. <laughs> I actually think you'll probably hit like 22, 24, but yes. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you have it if I can just root for it to under. Exactly, and it'll be sweeter for you if you win because I'm not going to be sitting here gloating about Yuli Gurriel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we got a bet in just for a, this episode. Just a, just a few things here with Yuli. Great season, I'll say that. But hard hit hard hit rate below league average. His barrel percentage doubled to 3.8%, which is 370th out of 478 qualified hitters. <laughs> so still terrible, in other words. Um, did improve his launch launch angle a little bit. Doesn't strike out, doesn't walk. So it's kind of like a different type of profile as far as that goes. But yeah, his like. He doesn't barrel anything. I mean, it's just so the 31 homers are kind of out there for me. I, Like I said, I think if I was actually projecting, I'd probably project like low 20 to 25, but 
I'll just under 20 for the hell of it. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> Danny Santana, we'll move on to him. He was kind of like the 2019 version of Adalberto Mondesi. Stats were different. I'm not meaning they were the same player, but a player that just out of nowhere became a huge breakout that was a league winner for a lot of guys, but meanwhile came with a very ugly strikeout-to-walk rate. And Mondesi proved us both wrong last year when he was healthy. Does that have any effect here on your opinion or on Santana going into this year? How, how do you feel about him overall? I think with Santana, I I mean, obviously you expect him to drop off. I mean, yeah. 28 home runs, 21 steals, I believe is what it was. That yes. is extremely unlikely to happen again. Steamer has him for 21 home runs and 19 steals. Which is uh, still really good. Which is still really good. I, the Where he's being drafted, the thing is, is it's one thing – to decline from what he did and he will, you know, most likely, but he doesn't have to do what he did to return value at 125 overall. Like, I mean, guys that go 28 homers, 21 steals, they're going, you know, that's a top 50 player. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind it. Honestly, I don't, like, I don't know if I'll end up with him. One thing that's nice is it is uh, steals at first base. Like, nobody mm-hmm. else gives you that. I mean, Bellinger, but he isn't even going to get what Santana probably can, or at least, you know, you pr- probably project him for a few less. So speed at first base is kind of nice because no one else is getting it there. If you play him there, Um I mean, there's risk for sure. You know, he doesn't walk and K-Ray tie and stuff like that. But the secondary skills aren't too bad. I think he's going to play. And, you know, I he doesn't he just doesn't have to do what he did last year to return value where he's at. So I don't think it's bad. I don't like I said, I don't know if I'll get him, but I think it's fine here. You know, I've had conversations with. Santana owners who've had him on the block because in Rotomasters 2, I needed a first baseman for a while. And man, I don't even think the offers he was we were talking about in discussions were unreasonable. I just couldn't bring myself to stomaching making that my first baseman, because especially given I didn't have another first baseman and really needed one. And if it went wrong, it would be bad. But you you bring a good point. You're right about the 28 home runs, 21 steals. If he was to actually do that again, he would not be going anywhere near this spot in the draft. It's because the it's baked in with the regression expe- expectation. The question is, does he regress or does he completely collapse? Because if yeah. he even regresses, this is a great spot here to get him. If he collapses and it was fool's gold, then, well, you lost out on your... 10th round pick or your eighth, ninth round pick, which isn't the end of the world, but you can, like you said last year, when we were talking about um, Garrett Hampson, you're not going to lose your league because your ninth round pick didn't work out. So if you, if you want to take the shot, you could, you could get a really good value there on Santana. Yeah, definitely the most 
exciting thing about him is just steals at first base or corner infield, wherever you have them, that there's just not that many guys that do that. But yeah. aside from that, yeah, you can find the production. And next up is another Santana, but unlike the previous one, this guy doesn't run. And that would be Carlos Santana at 145. So we're talking the 10th round and he's the last of a tier here as there isn't another first baseman for another 45 picks in ADP. So Andrew, I know you, I remember talking to you in a draft and I think you ended up taking him at least one draft. How are you feeling about him going into this year, uh, coming off of a really strong 2019 season? Yeah, so I think I would take him over the entire tier that we just talked about, or if not, close. I I was kind of doing a little bit of digging because I got in a spot in my draft champions league where I waited a little longer than I wanted to at first base, and I wound up with Carlos Santana. I took him in round nine. I took him a little bit ahead of this spot. But, man, everything with this guy just looks so good to me. I mean, he walks a ton, so he's always going to hit smack dab in the heart of the order. All the hard hit dead is good. He had the fifth lowest chase rate in the league. So he doesn't swing at bad pitches. The four that were lower, Alex Bregman, Tommy Pham, Mike Trout, and Joey Votto. Wow, that's some company. Yeah, he just he doesn't swing at bad pitches. He takes walks. He hits the ball hard. I mean, everything is pretty good. And especially where you're getting him here, I mean, the lineup is obviously solid. I, I wouldn't say Cleveland's lineup's great, but uh, it's not bad. It's a solid lineup. And his OBP skills are going to keep him afloat, even if his batting average were to dip or something like that. You know, like he, he gets on base plenty. So, yeah, I like him quite a bit, actually. And I, it actually surprised me the more that I was kind of getting into all of the stuff with him, it's just a lot of what he does. It's just such a good batting eye, and I feel like that kind of carries him, and the rest of it just kind of takes care of itself. You're not getting steals or speed from this position anyways for the most part, at least with most guys, and um, doesn't strike out that much either. So I think there's a lot to like with Carlos Santana. I think he's underrated. And I would, like I said, I would take him over most of, I would definitely take him over Danny Santana and um, Yuli and probably Mancini. I'd maybe have to think about it with Hoskins, but yeah, I'm a, I definitely like Santana this year. One thing I will say, I, I don't disagree with much of what you're saying. I think I would take him above Yuli and Danny Santana, probably Trey Mancini. I think that one's pretty close. Hoskins, I think him, Hoskins are pretty close. Mancini's probably third on that list. But I will warn, I, that 281 batting average, I think that's fool's gold. He's a 250 career hitter who has, I mean, 
most like the previous year he hit 229. I don't think he's a 229 hitter. I don't think he's a 281 hitter. I think he's a 250 hitter. Maybe 260 is what I would somewhere in that range, which is where that that does knock him down if he does that as compared to hitting 281. But that said, he's not as high as a lot of these other guys. So maybe he he's not bad value here. I, I like him at 145. I probably I mean I think he's the last of a tier, and I do not want my starting first baseman. Well, I'll take it back. There's one afterwards that if I really waited, I could I would be okay with. But yeah, I you want to get a first baseman by about this point, and I'm taking Santana as a first baseman number one ahead of some of these guys ahead of him. Yeah, one other thing too. In an OBP league, you're taking him way higher than this. Stud. We talked about this yeah, last year. Absolute stud. In terms of, I think he's probably like a fifth round player at that point, because you're getting yeah. a, you're going from getting a 250 batting average to a 367 career on base. That's incredible. Yeah, for sure. All right, 17 through 20 I've got here. These guys are all 15 picks apart, less than, so basically a round apart. Uh, Luke Voigt at 191 overall with the Yankees. Jock Peterson with the Dodgers at 201. Edwin Encarnacion at 204 with the White Sox. And Christian Walker with the Diamondbacks at 204. I'll start with this question. How would you rank these four, Andrew? Um, definitely Edwin won pretty clearly to me. I would definitely have them over these other three. Um, I don't know. I like Walker a little bit. Hits the ball hard. I think he can build on kind of what he did last year. Some of the, I feel like some of his, um, the good stuff that he did was a little bit hidden if you don't dig into him. Voight and Jock. I, I, I think Voight and Walker are close. I'd have Jock last of the group, but Jock had a really good year. I just can't – he just can't hit lefties at all, so he's kind of a, more of a platoon guy, and I don't know. I just don't love him, but I would definitely have Edwin first. I like the landing spot, too, with the Sox. Yeah. Tons of power. I mean, is anybody going to be surprised if Edwin hits 40 bombs? I'm not. No, no not at all. I think he he's definitely I think he's going to be around there. Great great yeah. landing spot for him. And I think he's going to continue moving up drafts with the as this ADP moves along into the offseason cuz he just signed in the last couple of weeks. I think that's going to keep going up as people were drafting before and he was a free agent. But I'm yeah. with you. Edwin would by far be number 1, Walker, then Voit and then Peterson. And we'll start talking off on talking about Voigt because he was first on this ADP. He had a pretty it was pretty good for an injury riddled Yankees team last year until he had, I think, a sports hernia injury or something that really knocked him down in the second half. But do you think if he stays healthy, he holds down that first base job this entire year? I would think so. Yeah, I don't really know off the top of my head who would take over. I, who else do they got even in like who would potentially well, take his spot? I mean, I know they could move guys around and somebody else could play first, I guess, but I feel like his job's fairly safe as long as he's healthy. 
Yeah, I would think it would take someone like Andujar moving to first and Gio Urschel going to third, and I don't see that happening. I honestly think if it happened, it would be outside the organization, them trading for somebody during the season. Yeah. But yeah, but I are they really gonna? You think they would do that? I mean, depends on how how he's playing. I think if he's not performing, which he had a real good year last year. I mean, he hit two sixty three with a really good walk rate, striking out a lot still. I mean, twenty seven point eight percent last year and twenty six the year before. But Aaron Judge has proven and Stanton too yeah. that you can have a strikeout at that rate, especially if you're walking as much as he is. I'm yeah. I don't think the strikeout rate even matters if you're getting on base at a 378 clip, especially when you're Luke Voigt. You know, I just don't, I don't think it matters that much. I can't get past the hump with this guy. Uh, I just saw him as this struggling to be a starter player with the Cardinals. And there, I, there were stretches where I was really liking what I was seeing with him, but I still can't get over seeing that and seeing what he did lot, the last year and in the end of 2018. And look at that guy as a starter. And I think it's just a stubbornness on my part. I just I still see that guy as an as the Cardinal who really couldn't play in the field and they've just brought in as a pinch hitter. And yeah, it's no, not, that's fair. I, not I, a right strategy. That. No, I get that. I think that uh you're probably not the only one that's felt that way or thought that, but I mean, overall it's it's pretty good. I mean, 273 average, 371 OBP career. I mean, that's solid. Nothing to sneeze at, you know? So. No, not at all. Okay. Uh, Jock Peterson, he was awesome last year, but the Dodgers definitely platooned him. He only got 49 at bats versus left handed pitchers. And you just said you wouldn't feel great about taking him and as a platoon hitter. And I don't blame you. I kind of feel the same way. I would not feel comfortable having that guy as a starting player on my team in a redraft league. When you know that every time they face a lefty, he's going to be sitting and that's what you want because if he starts, he's awful. Yeah. Maybe like in a daily league where you can actually, uh, actually platoon him and just play him against righties. Um, that would be, I mean, listen to this. Against righties, 137 WRC plus. So 37% better than league average. Jeez. Against lefties, <laughs> no. 34. <laughs> so Is that 60- bad? Yeah. <laughs> so, and granted, that was probably limited at bats. Yeah, 49. very limited. 49 yeah. at well, bats. But that, and that's why, though. You know, it's like it's it, you can't really cite that, but it just proves the point. It's like he's not going to face lefties. And when they yes. bring in a lefty, if there's like a long lefty reliever, he's probably coming out of the game. So there's he had a good year last year. There's no I mean, really no argument to that. Uh, there's just been too much fluctuation with him over time. I mean, he's hit. 26, then 25, then 11, then 25. It just he's all over the place. His batting average is never good. He hits righties well, but it's really all I can say for him. He doesn't run uh, dual eligibility, I believe, right? First base outfield. Mm-hmm. Correct. But yeah, that's. Yeah, I just I'm just not really into it with Jack. I 
I'll probably not touch him here. But at pick 200, I mean, you could argue it's it's fine. Just probably not for me. There's other guys I'd rather take. You know, what you said about the daily is perfect. I owned Eric Thames in a daily dynasty league last year and loved him because when he was facing righties, you knew you could put him in there and get real good production. And Jock is better against righties. So yeah, I think he'd be fun to own in a daily league for that reason. You got to find, you got to find another player to get in there whenever he's whenever they're facing a lefty. But if you can do that, yeah, he's a very handy bat for most games. I wonder if he. I, w- I was going to look and see if he hit any home like his home run split. Did he even? Did he hit all thirty six of those home runs off of a? Off of righties, do you know? If, if you set the line at look. 35 and a half, I would say I would take the over that it was he hit all 36. 49 no, at yeah. best? 36. All 36 <laughs> home runs against right handed pitching. That is nuts. Yep. That's impressive. 30, 36 home run season, all 36 home runs against right handed pitching. Do you have the at bats against righties? Yeah. What was was total at bats. Well, plate appearance. He had four hundred sixty-four uh, plate appearances against righties and fifty oh. against lefties. So about a he home walked, run every fourteen at bats against right hand. One he walked one time in fifty plate appearances against lefties. <laughs> yeah, he just can't. I mean, he's never. He's just not going to play against lefties. Period. Nope. You're better off with a pitcher hitting, and I'm not even yeah. joking. Yeah, and I feel like it caps their, just the ceiling, just the overall mm-hmm. ceiling. If you know, if you know going in, like this guy's not going to play against lefties, you know, it just it just caps the overall ceiling to the point that there's, I can see one guy in the next five that I would take over him, just because I feel like the upside's higher. Last year felt like the ceiling for him, unless he gets figured out against lefties, because he was awesome. Yeah. And you can't even guarantee that it'll be that great again. Yeah. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion's been steady production. And to me, he definitely should be in the previous tier that we were talking about with that 11 through 15. And I actually think I would take him over all of those 2019 breakout guys, the Mancini, Danny Santana, and, oh, who was the third one? Yuli tier. Do you think – what say you? Would you take him over any of those guys, or do you think he belongs behind him? Possibly, yeah. Right in that range, I think. After mm-hmm. Santana for me uh, – after Carlos Santana for me. But, um, yeah, right right in there. I mean, he's, he's so proven with the power. It's just uh, – really with Edwin, I feel like you just hope he stays healthy mm-hmm. because he's so – Late in his career, I feel like any type of injury he's not going to come back quickly from, and you're just going to lose a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's a mashing DH that is going to have a probably a middling average with a ton of power. I mean, we know what he is, you know. It's just really just a matter of staying on the field to me, and being a DH sets him up well to do that. I just wonder if he has like some kind of nagging thing happen. And I'm not, you know, this may not even happen, but it just, if, if something that like that takes place with a guy that old, I mean, I say that he's like my age. Isn't that <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, but, that's not good. Yeah. 
<laughs> but um, it's just tough to come, you know, because they don't come back as quick. It's just like mm-hmm. the way it works, you know. So, but yeah, I definitely I like Edwin. I think he's set up well, and I think he'll be fine. If you knew that he was going to play the same amount of games as Reese Hoskins, I'm taking Edwin. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, it's hard to argue with. I mean, really well, what do you yeah, think, think Hoskins I, does better if right. in a, if they're playing the same amount of games? No, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. That you have to deal with the injury risk to where I, but I believe they should be close for that reason. I would take Edwin yeah. over him if I knew the same games, but the injury risk makes it real close. Okay, Christian Walker, last guy on this list. He struggled to get playing time since debuting debuting in the bigs in 2014. Got a shot last year, and he produced 259 batting average, 29 home runs. If, you know, you said you would have him second on this list, so I guess you at least like him to some extent. Could you see him being on some of your teams here as like a corner? Uh, I don't know for sure if I'd have him second, but yeah, right there, I think with Voight, um, yeah, he, he kind of mashed last year, like under the radar a little bit, um, definitely hits the ball hard, walked a lot more. I think he, well, it was limited sample before that. So I, you can kind of throw that out, but yeah, 11% walk rate last year in a full season. So that's encouraging. Uh, I think he's going to get run on that team. Yeah, I think he could take another step. Hit 29 bombs last year and could probably even go up a little bit from that. He could hit the ball in the air a little bit more, but yeah, everything looks pretty good for him. I think he's like a, a decent under-the-radar breakout candidate in this yeah. spot. I agree. When doing this digging on him, I really didn't. I knew he had a great year last year. I don't think I knew till looking at him here. Just his hard hit rate was really good. Also, I, I think there's a lot to like, and I think I'm a little higher on him now than I was before doing these this list. I could definitely see myself getting him as a corner. The other thing with a lot of the guys in this range is I feel like we kind of know what they are to an extent. And, you know, at least in this tier and like the tier below for the most part, it's like, you know, you could kind of squint your eyes and see Christian Walker busting out of to a tier that's higher than this, Uh you know, whereas some of these other guys, it's a little harder. So I don't know. I just think that I mean, 20th first baseman off the board, it's not a hefty price and it could pay off. Yeah. Agreed. I'm definitely, I could definitely see him moving up on this list and us talking about him as one of the big breakouts on next year's podcast. That is if we're still, do, we got to still be doing one. We're still going to be doing one in a year, right, Andrew? Uh, oh, yeah. We'll be on like episode 100, probably. Yeah, maybe, That's maybe the plan. More. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's take a quick break and we're going to go past number 20 here. We'll probably start breezing through this a little quicker afterwards. All right. Sounds good. All 
All right. Well, this is where it starts drying up in terms of first baseman. Uh, number 21, we got Yandy Diaz with the Rays. Good God, who knows how many first base corners they need, and he's just another one of them. Uh, Eric Hosmer's at two, number 22 on first baseman at pick 222. Michael Chavis with the Red Sox. He first base, second base eligible. Actually, I think he'll probably be more second base than first base, but I'll probably just bring him up here since I'm doing it. Daniel Murphy at 231. And then 25 is Travis Darnode, who I'm sure most people drafting him are going to have him as a first base or a catcher. So not and we already discussed him, so not going to go into that one. But what are your thoughts on these four, Andrew? And let's say you messed up and waited too long on corner infield. Would you take one of these guys as a late round corner infielder? Yeah, possibly. I might. What you know, in this spot, once you get down here, uh, I'm probably even combining this group with like the next five that you'll name off. Just kind of waiting, whichever guy kind of falls into my lap. Uh, I think that Hosmer is extremely boring, but. Also, probably like the safest bet for at bats and just counting stats out of these guys. So, in like a draft and hold, he might be the play. And I think uh, Michael Chavis has some nice upside. He's kind of like the opposite of Hosmer to me. <laughs> yes, they're I mean, actually where, polar opposites. Yeah, it's like a total. Um, you know, like I mean, I'm not even a hundred percent. He's going to have an everyday job, but. If he does, it's like, you know, it, there's, it's intriguing. It's a nice lineup. I mean, he's, he's clearly got power. So, but yeah, it kind of depends on your, your roster makeup. I think how you, what you feel like you need, floor, ceiling, stuff like that. I, Murphy, I don't know. What do you think about Murphy? I'm just, I think I'm just kind of done. Yeah, we were both real high on him last year, and it really looks like he's just breaking down. Um, yeah. He's much cheaper this year. I don't even know if I'm still – I think I'd rather go with Hosmer. Even though I think Murphy has much higher upside, he also could play 70 games. I just – I he's even got the playing time risk now. Colorado seems to do make stupid decisions, and he might – I'm not saying that it would be a stupid decision to play him or not play him, but I just I don't trust anybody on that team for playing time that's at Murphy's level. If he's struggling and Brendan Rodgers, let's say, is breaking out, Hampson's breaking out, maybe they if they don't trade Arenado and he's filling up a spot, there may not be a spot for him, and he may move into a bench role. I think that risk is there, especially as he's breaking down if the skills continue not to go in the wrong direction. I like what you said on Hosmer. Uh, in that draft and hold with Winder, I did Chris Winder two episodes ago. We talked about I did take Hosmer in that draft because I waited too long to get a corner, and I felt fine about it for for the exact reasons you said. I took him because he's a guy who you can count on to get at bats and should get stats, even though it's not going to be sexy. He is going to get that. But if I was drafting in a twelve or fifteen team redraft that where you have free agents pickups, I'm probably taking Michael Chavis in those situations just because I want the upside. 
as and if it doesn't work out, you just go. Hopefully, you can go find somebody else as compared to having a guy like Hosmer, who's really just not going to be a sexy name to have in your lineup in a league where you need to be hitting on guys to be winning leagues. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, Chavis, though, I want to. He exploded on the scene last year, but he struck out thirty three percent of the time. He came to the plate, and I've got an over-under here for you on two different stats. And so I'm going to say over-under split on these two. 240 batting average and 25 home runs. I think he'll be... I'll take slightly over on both. Really? I think like 245 maybe, 250. And like twenty eight bombs. I mean, okay. it, it's pen, it's pending the playing time, though. Yes. So if you're trying to sucker me into a bet, then <laughs> that's know. what I was just about to do. I'm like, well, let's do an over under split on this because I would take the under on both, but hard to tell. It's a playing time. The playing yeah, time is a question. Yeah, that's the thing. I get. I mean, there's a little bit of risk there with that, but I just think if he gets it, he's gonna over. Like his steamer projection, I guess, is two forty nine with twenty four homers. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with that. I think you, I think he can over that. He can if, if he's in like a full time role. It's just there's some questions there. I just don't know if the Red Sox are going to do it, but. I feel like he's gonna get it. Like if I had to bet yes or no, I mean I, I think he'll I think he'll be in there. Probably, you know, second base. Yes. I think he's gonna be more second base. Probably should have saved him for that episode. He's but pretty we'll much talk about he's him pretty here. much he's pretty much competing with Jose Peraza, right? Yes. So in other words, he's gonna be the starting second baseman to yeah. start the year. in related news i'm competing with mike trout for the center field job for the for the angels this offseason this spring yeah (laughs) oh that's about right but no uh he'd have to be really bad and even then the red sox can't even look outside the organization because they just can't get anybody because they're trying to cut down payroll i think i'll tell you i'll tell you what you you set this at the steamer projection of 24, and I'll take the over. What did I put oh. it at before? You said 25. Oh, 25? So 240? Oh, no, 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 40? just just homers. I'm not betting on his average. Just oh. Then I've got to count on his playing time. I'll do it, well, but yeah. I, that that's more of an uh, what the hell? Because honestly, I don't. I think he'll probably get that as long as he gets the playing time too. But I'll just say he doesn't get the playing time and say I'll take the under. Over under twenty four home runs. Yeah, I'll take the over. Okay. Just because, or just because I said we got to make more bets, I'm just I'm only doing this to stick to yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have like ninety. <laughs> we're gonna have like ninety of them. It's gonna that's be good. It'll be yeah. fun at the end of the year. We can actually do an episode where we're basically just talking about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that covers those. We didn't talk about Yandy Diaz. I didn't even put this in the notes. Over under three hundred and fifty at bats. I don't even know what his projections God. are, but I have no idea. I. 
I feel like Yandy Diaz is so confusing to me. I actually think he's, um, I think he's slated to play third for them, right? He's projected uh, yeah, for. I think so. Wow, he's projected for 586 plate appearances. I was just I, about to tell you that. Oh my god, I would take the under all day on that. Yes. How in th- the world is that a projection? I said 350 in the dark without having no. Left. Like leg- legitimately, how is that a projection? How is Yandy Diaz projected for 586 plate appearances? That is not. E- that doesn't even make sense. Well, uh, now I'm wanting to look at their roster. Who else is on that roster? Maybe that's why they're projecting him so. I don't even care who's on. They got the Joey Wendell and Daniel Robertson, and it's it Yandy Diaz. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I don't even. That's nuts. I, I mean, put the part 350. I guess I would take the over yeah. now that I look, but I don't think I'm well, taking over on 450. No, I'm not. I'm huh. with you there. Okay. We'll move on to 26 through 30, and we'll start off with another Tampa Bay Ray who is probably the best or most intriguing corner infielder who is in purgatory, and that would be Nate Lowe at 259, who I think is now 26th in the depth chart for Tampa Bay in the starting for a role in the as a, as a starter. Uh, Joey Votto at 27. My gosh, that seems weird, but he's at 269 overall. Reynado Nunez with the Orioles at 271. CJ Cron with Detroit is at 277. And then number 30 overall amongst first basemen, and maybe he should be more on the second base podcast, is your boy Howie Kendrick at 332 overall. And I'm going to start off with this question. Over under, I, I originally set it at 350, and I'm going to change it to 300 at bats in 2020 for Nate Lowe because it just they they just got somebody else in the last week. I can't even remember who right off the bat. Who did they just get? Tampa Bay? Yeah, oh it was it was Jose Martinez. Oh yeah, Jose Martinez, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so I was just, looking at something. You're good. So over under 300 major league at bats for Nate Lowe. Under. I am sad to say it, but I agree in a as a dynasty league owner who was thinking he might get 450 to five, I think under is I would be taking the under. I think it's gonna be close. It's what is Tampa Bay stupid it, for would, doing this, or is put it this do you way? Think I know something. I would take him last of these five. Yeah, in a redraft, you take. Uh, I might take him ahead of Joey Votto. Just because I think Joey Votto oh, might be God, cooked, no way. but well, in a yeah, in a redraft that's not draft advanced. and hold. Yeah, this is where I'm saying a redraft, not a draft and hold. In a draft and hold, I'm taking Votto, but in a regular, it goes back to what I said before. I'll just take the shot at the upside because at this point, you're taking a guy that's in a reserve just that's a not going to be a starter. Spot. Yeah. Just you want a case. little bit? You want a little bit of a hot take here? Okay, let's I've hear. Got, it. I've got one. Got I him. think I think Renato Nunez could hit forty home runs. Ooh, that is a hot take. Yeah, I do. I think he could do it. I was actually pissed when he went in the home run derby league because I wanted him, and he was about the last guy that I thought that of. But yeah, I I think he could do it. I think he's like a super sleeper for power. 
I think he's got a lot of power, and it wouldn't shock me, put it that way. Huh. Well, that's 31, fascinating. 31 last year. Yeah, 31. And he's going to play, I mean, yeah. I've always kind of I've always kind of been a fan. I followed him through the minors, like with Oakland and stuff, and he mm-hmm. always had power. Oh, yeah. Yes, he, he did. He always has had power, but he just never would get, like, the opportunity, and it just seemed like the years were kind of going by, and it was like, ah, oh, he's never going to get his shot, never going to get his shot, and he's kind of finally got his shot. I've yeah. got him in... I've got him in one dynasty league and I actually, I actually just, I don't feel bad about it. I think he is going to provide power on that God awful team and hit in the middle of the order. So yeah, I like him, especially in this range. I mean, this is this range. It's like anything you can find to, I mean, I've already talked about the Kendrick stuff and I even think Cron, uh, CJ Cron's fine here too. Yes. He's going to get a lot of playing time with Detroit. So This is a great situation for Cron to land in in Detroit because in Minnesota last year, he's not a great OBP guy. He's one of those 260 hitters who's going to have a 310 on base. And for that reason, if he's on a really good team, he may get stuck in some platoons because he definitely hits lefties a lot better than right-handers. But being in Detroit, I don't think he's going to deal with that problem. They're just going to plug him in – him and Cabrera in at first base DH. And I think he's just going to get the at bats there. Uh, yeah. You may not get a full season out of him because good chance they trade him at mid season, but that first half, I think he'll get a lot of playing time. Yeah. I, I've kind of been saying lately with like uh, some of these situations and Renato Nunez and CJ crown have kind of qualified, but it's like, I feel like bad players on bad teams or, you know, you could say mediocre players on bad mm-hmm. teams. It, they can provide value for you. I mean, it's just because they're on like not a good team. It, it actually, it's, there's more, or, you know, there's less playing time risk. They're more likely to play every day and they just let them go out there and do what they do. I mean, if they struggle, they're less likely to get benched or sent down, you know, it, there's a lot of that going on with some of these lower tier guys that don't look good because they're not on great team, but yeah, it's kind of uh, something I've just been paying attention to lately. And I think that they're both pretty solid picks here, especially in draft and hold formats. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Time for the thirties here. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez is at 31. Garrett Cooper is at 32. Victor Caratini is at 33. Evan White with the Mariners at 34. Miguel Cabrera, speaking of guys who have drastically fallen, I think he was like a 15th overall amongst first basemen last year. He's 35th now. Rowdy Telez is 36. Jesus Aguilar, 37. Ryan Mountcastle at 38. 80-grade name there. Dominic Smith at 39. And Brandon Belt at 40. I want to start off talking about Evan White. He seems to stick out here as now he's going to be up opening day. The fact that he's signed in the offseason is probably why his ADP is so low. But I'm sure it's been higher in recent drafts. How much higher do you think Evan White should be in terms of do you think he should be a tier or two tiers higher on these lists? Or do you think he should be down here? I think Evan White is should be like right around where Eric Hosmer is. 
That's a good. I like that. And I I think that the production could actually be very similar, which is going to sound really boring. I don't want to act like Evan White is like this superstar. I mean, we'll see. You know, we don't know. Obviously, I mean, we haven't seen him yet, and everyone listening is probably thinking, well, God, I hope he's better than Eric Cosmer. But that's not terrible for a guy that just, you know, what would you project Hosmer for? Like 20 home runs? Yep, 20, 20. Yeah, somewhere in the low 20s is yeah, what I would project. I mean, and I think that's about what I would project for Evan White. I would but, like. But there's, you know, you can dream on more with him that you can't with Hosmer, but there's also a chance that Evan White, isn't is it ready? Hitter that has, yeah, right. Isn't ready. And but yeah, I think he belongs right around there, right around where Hosmer's at. I would probably take him before Hosmer, but it's just just the uh you know, I like to take my shots, so I'd probably uh, just do it, but it's fine either way. I think I would project Hosmer for more home runs, but I also think it's close. I think Evan White's a high high teens and Hosmer's a low twenties. What if I gave you two home runs? I'll take Evan, Hosmer plus Evan two White. home runs. You're taking White? Wait, wait, wait. And I'll, so I'll you're take saying, Hosmer to hit two more home runs than Evan White. Let's make a bet. On one condition. Oh, no. I'll take, Ev- I'll take Evan White on this one condition. That Evan White is up on opening day. Okay. Done. Hosmer right. plus two home runs. Well, Hosmer minus two. Yeah. That's how, yeah. yeah. Minus two home runs as long as White is up opening day. Yep. What's the projections on them? Have you even looked? I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at White's right now, and it's 19. I don't know what Hosmer's is. I didn't look. I totally did that off the cuff without even, like, looking. I was just curious. But it felt about right. 24. Hosmer's at 24. That's higher yeah. than I would. I would, Which, I would yeah, not I have would. it that high. No, me either. No, I think this yeah. will be a close one because they're both 20 home run guys. I just feel a little safer on Hosmer's. No, I don't I don't blame you for feeling safer. It's more me just taking a shot. As long yep. as he's up opening day, I'm good with it. And as long as we get another bet in. We've got three in this episode right. or in these first base yeah. ranks already. <laughs> yeah, we um, said we're gonna we said we're gonna be more liberal, so we're doing it. We're doing it. Jesus Aguilar, Miami, another guy who's on a bad team who should have a pretty good path to playing time. Are you interested in that guy? I mean, you would you would assume he would provide power if he sticks in the lineup. I think out of this group, he's one of the more intriguing ones, but it's mostly just because he hit 35 home runs two years ago, and he's on the Marlins, so he should play. They did move the fences in a little bit. Maybe that helps. It's a reserve yeah, I mean, round pick, too. Yeah. I mean, I could squint and see him hitting 30. You know, it wouldn't shock me at all. So, Yeah, I'd love to grab him in a reserve round and just hold on to him for the first month and see how he's doing. It's not like one of those that you have to hold on to, but you take for the upside that maybe he finds his magic berries again and starts – Blasting him out again. Yeah, I don't think he's very good. I mean, he goes through a cold streak. He might not even play on that team. I mean, it's definitely possible, but 
he has power and he's on a bad team that he could get run. So of the guys in this group, I mean, that has some value, I would think. Anyone else on this list? No, not I really. agree. Mount it's Castle, just, not a Mount Castle guy. I mean, if he, we'll see when he comes up, you know, it just, when he comes up, I mean, maybe the park's good. He doesn't walk. It's it's tough. I'm gonna uh, go back should, to. He should get a shot this year. I mean, I yes. I kind of thought he might get a shot late last year. He didn't. So he definitely really should get a shot. Does. I'm gonna go back to a podcast episode we did last summer. Whenever we were doing those division breakdowns, and when we talked about the Orioles, I asked you a question of when would Chris Davis get released, and. Uh, I, we both, I think I, I know I projected and I think you weren't far off like May of 2020. And I think that's about the time we see Mountcastle. I think I'm still sticking with that. Chris Davis isn't on the team after May, June, July, and he'll have a little over a year left on his contract. And they're just going to work out a, work out a settlement to basically, I kind of like A-Rod did with his deal, work out something to where they kind of release him on good terms. And I think that's yeah. about the time we see Mountcastle up. If we see Mountcastle in May, he's probably a good pick here. Yep, agreed. But I'm probably not drafting him. I'm because no. we're not seeing him opening day, and you might be sitting on him for two months. So I'm not right. drafting him either. Yeah. And the guy does not walk at all. He's going to be one of those guys. If he comes up, you're getting you may be getting a three percent walk rate. Yeah. All right. Uh, 40s here. I don't even know if I want to go down this list. Are there any of these guys in the 40s that you would consider taking in the reserve rounds or somebody you'd even be wanting to watch as a possible pickup? I I guess I'll list them off real quick. Dan Vogelbach, G-Man Choi, Albert Pujols, Eric Thames, who just signed with Washington, Justin Smoke with Milwaukee, Jake Lamb, Jake Bowers, Kevin Cron. Austin Nola and Jimer. I don't even know how to. Jimer? How do you say his first I think name? J- I think it's Jamer. Jamer Candelario. Yeah, I might be wrong on that, but that sounds good to me. That sounds good enough. Uh, I mean, these guys are what they are. I, I think the most interesting ones to me are probably Smoke in Milwaukee. Lamb. I mean, I've always, I've always kind of liked Lamb. He's mm-hmm. just been hurt, been hurt, and hasn't been that good the last couple of years. But I remember how good he was a few years ago, and I still think there's maybe a little bit of that in there. Uh, Bowers, I'd keep my eye on, and Kevin Cron too. I think both of those guys are interesting, but these guys are all bench slash waivers. I mean, nothing too crazy. I do think if Smoke gets some playing time. The power in that park could be pretty good. Yeah, I agree on Smoke. That's a guy I would draft just to see if he could pull off some playing time. Or I shouldn't say I definitely would draft. Maybe he doesn't quite make it in like a up to the thirtieth round. But he's one of those that you're watching. And if they get an injury or Braun is struggling and they or some somebody's struggling and they're starting to work him in on playing time because there's so many players. Between their three outfielders, Braun looks like he's getting first base run. They've signed a ton of other players that can play first base, third base. 
that it's it's no guarantee he's going to get playing time. But if he starts getting it, I could definitely see him being a one of those really good players. That yeah, like one of those guys that really works out and is giving some guys some really nice advantages. Yeah, definitely right ballpark and everything. So, yep. Is there anybody after fifty? Anybody at all scrolling down that you, you found interesting? A rookie to watch or anybody else? Um, not really that I noticed. Did you notice anybody? I'm scrolling through right now. It's definitely not Greg Bird. I'll tell you that now. What about Seth Beer? <laughs> <laughs> Done with Greg Bird. Huh? <laughs> I would. I was never really in on him, so I wouldn't say that. I kind of. I I actually kind of was. That's <laughs> sad part. Lewin Diaz, he had a he he's a guy that could be up in the second half. That's one to I'm not drafting, but in a draft and hold, I'd gladly take because yeah. especially if um oh shoot the uh, Aguilar isn't working out, that could be one. It's definitely not Chris Davis with the Re- Baltimore Orioles either. Yeah, um, yeah, that's moving There's down nobody. quite a bit away. So yeah. I, yeah. So far down, it's it's really nobody else. Luan Diaz, yeah. I think that's about it. Seth Beer, I didn't. I actually, There's, I did ask you about Beer. I don't. I think he was in what Double A last year. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I guess he could have. He an may get a shot. shot. Yeah, he may get a shot at some point. I, I think he's just one you kind of watch and maybe you pick up once he gets the call. But I don't think it's somebody that you got to stash for like. You know, it's just kind of a wait and see thing, I think. Yeah. It was pretty it did decent last year. Two ninety nine average, sixteen home runs and sixty three games with the Astros and then uh not only I'll be one curious home. I'll be curious how he is in the national league because I've heard uh uh-huh. that he is awful on defense. Like, yes. Really, really bad. Kyle so. Schwarber thinks that guy needs to play better defense. Kyle Schwarber and Jose yeah. Martinez. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've heard some bad, bad stuff. So we'll see. Yeah. He can definitely, he can definitely hit though. So well, Andrew, we did it. That's all the first baseman. That definitely made for two fun episodes. I. Really enjoyed talking about them all here. I mean, I think we brought some good good stats, good info there, good conversation. Yeah, it was fun. Definitely more fun than uh, <laughs> doing the catchers. So It was twice as fun, actually. Should, it was three times only get better. as fun. Because yeah. A, it's better, and B, we got two episodes out of it instead of one. So, yeah, it was three times better than catchers. But – what do we want to do next? What are we going to decide to do next? We're not doing second base. I've decided that. And I don't I don't even want to do the infield. Do you want to do outfield or do you want to do starting pitchers? I'm good with whatever. It's up you to you. You just want to do whichever? Yeah. You can uh, all right. That'll give me a week to think about it. I'll just probably sit there and make a decision on a whim then. But it's not. We're, we're moving it around. We are not, the, not going to be conformists here with every other podcast oh man okay well you got anything final you want to add before we get out of here you got any drafts coming up 
Uh, no, not really. I've got um, kind of just not too much right now. Waiting for the subdrafts, pretty much at this point, and then after that, we'll have the draft and hold for the group, and then once we get into March, I'll have a few. But right now, I'm just kind of laying low and doing some research. I made the complaint last year that. By the end of February, again, for the second year in a row, all my drafts were done and I had nothing to do. So I was going to move our auction back to the end of February, the redraft auction league I run, just so I could have a draft going on in March. But then Jory announced that league and starting on February 23rd. So I moved it up to where the Friday after the Super Bowl is when we'll be getting that auction started. So I guess I'm a couple weeks away from the getting that getting into my next draft but actually speaking of the super bowl i guess we could i could ask you that before since we're recording before the games this weekend who's going to play in the super bowl here in a couple weeks uh i'm gonna go with the favorites chiefs and niners yeah that was my for the record that was my um before the playoffs that was my super bowl I think yeah. I said it in. I think I said it in our football chat. But I would have. I don't remember even making them. But if I had made I them had, before, I would have said. I had Niners. I had Niners winning it. So I think that we'll would see. be the most fun game. I'm a Packer fan, and obviously, I'd love to see my team make it. But I just think San Francisco is so good. And Rogers is going to be running for his life. He's going to have to play the game of his life, and those receivers are going to have to get open fast. And Ugh, I don't feel good about it, but what about Derrick Henry, man? Do you think the Chiefs can actually – like, I think they I have a better you, chance, the Titans, than the Packers do. I tell you, man, if the Titans win this game, it's just – it's the most impressive, like, at New England, at Baltimore, at Kansas City. I mean, three straight weeks. That's the most impressive run I can remember in years. By a Ryan Tannehill quarterback team. Yeah. It's <laughs> just wild. nuts. Man, it's wild. It, it The quarterback doesn't even it, – it almost feels like it doesn't even matter that much. It just – the way Henry is controlling the clock in these games, it's out of this world. I don't remember the last time that a running back truly had this much impact. I mean, if you the – there's, so well, there's so many times where it's like you say, oh – they could throw anyone back there, you know, running backs. It's just, I always, I mean, a lot of people say it, but I, mm-hmm. I've always felt it too. It's like you go from this running back to that running back. You don't, it's not really a big deal unless it's like a generational guy. It's just not really yep. a big deal. But I tell you, if they didn't have that guy back there right now, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Oh no. I he, mean, it's just, it's, he's making an Adrian Peterson level impact and Peterson yeah. never had a playoff run like this. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's just, it is truly, uh, truly crazy to watch really is. I legitimately can't think of a comparison and going through my entire life, like a running back carrying a team as much as he had. Usually I'm hearing of a great defense that's going with it. And I, I mean, they're a good defense, but they're not this shut down crazy good defense that they are. Yeah. 
that those other ones I'm thinking of are. Yeah, we'll see. I feel like the Chiefs can come back like better than the Ravens could. <laughs> they proved that Sunday. So it really, to me, just comes down to, for the Titans, it's just like, don't fall too far behind. And as long as they're in the game, Henry's a major factor. It's just, if they get down 14, 17 points, then what happens? Over. I mean, if, if Henry gets taken out of the game, they're in trouble. But, I mean, he hasn't yet, so we'll see. You just got to don't just don't let anybody tackle him. <laughs> if yeah. if Henry can do that, they'll win the game. He just I wears think. those guys down, man. It's like I feel like no matter how good the team actually is, it's it's like a I mean, is there really a direct correlation between how good the team is and stopping that guy right now? Like I don't even think it matters what team is out there. Mm-hmm. It's just all stuff I've thought about, but I'm definitely no football expert. No, neither am I. But I don't, you know, usually I'm real pumped for championship weekend, and I could easily see this being a disappointment and two blowouts. I hope I'm wrong because it's more fun when you have good games to watch. Yeah. And that was, th- that was the talk last weekend. I think there'll be pretty good games, but we'll see. I hope you're right, especially the late game. I just want it to be close. That's, I mean, I want the Packers to win, but I just don't want I, – I forgot that the they were talking after the last Packer game, that first championship game since 2016, and I thought, wait, they were in the conference championship in 2016, and I had to go look it up. And I forgot that they made it to and play the Falcons that uh, the year that the – Oh, yeah. 28-3, and I was like, oh, yeah. And then I saw the score, and I was like, oh, that's why I've blocked that one out. <laughs> I just completely forgot that one ever happened. Yeah. For good reason. I'll probably be glad when that's out of my memory bank again here in about a week. And unfortunately, San Francisco may be – I could easily see a similar thing. I just think that they're so much better. But Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, so you always have a shot when you have an always, elite quarterback. Yeah, always got a shot. Okay, well, when we get back here next week, we'll make some Super Bowl predictions, I guess. But we might even talk about some baseball, too. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, well, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.